Well, hello, folks, and welcome to Out on a Limb, a Lover's Lane podcast, the show where we share insights and stories on how to help you go out on a limb to love people. Uh, I'm your host, Stephen Lashley, and I'm joined by... Uh, I'm your co-host, Reverend Macy Lipfoy. And today, we just... You're in for a treat, really. I mean, these two people that we have on our on our podcast today are just people who are really, really important to me. We have uh, Dr. Roy Heller, who is the professor of Old Testament, the Altshuler Distinguished Teaching Professor and Director of Graduate Program in Religious Studies at Perkins School of Theology at SMU, Southern Methodist University, and... And we also are joined by Reverend Sarah Marcellus Luganbill, who serves here at Lover's Lane as an Associate Pastor of Families and serves as the Young Adult Pastor for us on Thursday nights. And so this... This podcast, this episode is really just about, we're in this middle of this sermon series where we're talking about help, thanks, wow, and and those were guides for us for this conversation, but really this conversation went far beyond that. This mm-hmm. conversation was, um, the way that I would see it is taking our small worldviews and opening it up and how we do that in an incredibly divided time that we live in. And so... I'm just incredibly excited about it. Yeah, both these two people um, have had such a significant impact in both of our lives. Um, Dr. Heller was all of our Old Testament professor, actually. So both me and Stephen and Sarah learned from him. So if you've got any uh, beef with us in the Old Testament, it's it's we can blame it on Dr. Heller. <laughs> um, but no, he is uh, one of these incredible human beings that is is magnetic in his presentation and delivery of lecture um, in a way that you, you just want to listen to what he has to say mm-hmm. and really draws you in to, to story and to um, discovery and curiosity. And that's why we asked him to be on this episode because we wanted to talk about being in awe and being open and being re- receptive to new ideas. Saying wow. Yeah, really yeah, interesting. saying, saying wow. wow. Um, and Sarah does that really well if you wanna. Yeah, and Sarah is this, she has an instinct for helping people. Mm-hmm. She has this instinct for um just say, as she puts it, she'll say this later in the podcast, but she has this instinct for saying yes. And she does it in small ways and she does it in very large ways, like serving for six months uh, as mission director in Haiti. Or uh, she said yes to going and living in Korea for two weeks. And then she lived there for two years and and taught English mm-hmm. uh, where she was a minority. So Sarah has this, this backstory that not a lot of people really know about. Uh, and it's just, just, just two incredible human beings, really, yeah. that uh, every time I talk to, I, I learn something from both of them. And uh, yeah, my worldview just expands. Yeah. So we hope that's what it does for you. And uh, we can't wait for you to listen to our conversation with Dr. Roy Heller and Reverend Sarah. Enjoy the show. Um, first of all, I just want to welcome you. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Heller. Thank you for being here. Sarah, Reverend Sarah Marcellus Luganbill. How long has it been since you've been ordained? Uh, not long. Like a, like a month. Has that set in? No. No, hasn't set in. <laughs> so she, and you've not just yet. been commissioned. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a rev too. You are a rev. I know. It's freaky, so, right? Yeah. And I'm working on mine. So we're going to. Next year. Yeah. I'm putting in paperwork now. So how's everyone doing? I just want to. <laughs> we've talked a little bit, you know, off off recording and things like that. But I just want to kind of hear just where you guys are at after this election season, uh, this waiting period, this election waiting period. Um, Just say a word about just kind of where you're at. If you're, you know, just 
you know, your head's in the clouds or if it's not, or if it's somewhere in between, or if you've just kind of been sitting with it. Also with COVID too. I mean, this with is COVID, one of our yeah. first in-person things we get to do for, for months. Like this is really yeah. exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How are you doing? Um, I'm kind of nervous actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was telling someone the other day, it, it kind of feels like at the end of Die Hard, I mean, they walk out of the Nakatomi tower and they, and he gives Holly a big kiss and everything's wonderful. And then the next thing you know, Carl's there with a yeah, assault rifle trying to kill everyone. So I'm not saying that that's gonna happen. But yeah, it's like, I mean, it's over, but it's not over, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And so it's just that liminal period, which is always uncomfortable. So and kind of like waiting for the next shoe to drop. Absolutely, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Or even if there is a shoe that's gonna yeah. drop, you know, that's yeah. the difficult thing for me, but yeah. Okay. It's like a Schrodinger shoe. Is there a shoe? <laughs> we don't know. That's right. That's there right. may or may not be a, a shoe. shoe. That's uh, right. So we're all just walking around with like these tensed up shoulders. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's for me. Yeah. <clears throat> How are you? You know, I have been in an interesting space processing through this. And I think I've shared a little bit. But, um, you know, I'm asking God what is it that I'm being called to do mm. and particularly with our young adults what is that um that next thing i see how divided our nation is mm. you know i know that we thought it was going to go one side or the other and it didn't and i think that i keep saying we need to listen to that mm. and right. so my question is where i find myself in this very tense space that thanks be to richard Rohr that i'm being more comfortable in yeah richie <laughs> but what is God calling us to do, especially us as the church? Um, and again, our young adults who have the power to do something very powerful mm -hmm. and to lead the way. So that's, that's where great. I am. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. You good? Yeah, I'm chilling. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's super exciting. I, uh, I'm really pumped to be in this space. I've, you know, we've watched this kind of this recording studio get built out and I'm really excited to like be with people and have conversations again. Um, especially I'm really excited to be with Dr. Heller today. Oh my gosh. Uh, Me I'm too. I'm really pumped. Even though like I've been auditing class, like it's not the same. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You know, I've been auditing a book of judges and it's been really great, but it just hasn't been the same of like being in a space where we could actually like see each other and talk and, you know, have, I don't know, some, something is missing about the technological space versus the in-person space. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so. Something about, oh, I don't know, the incarnation maybe. Ooh, snap. <laughs> So I online church is not something that it's, yeah. you kind of, I kind of, yeah. yeah, I cringe at times at that. Mm -hmm. I yeah. mean, I think I see the importance of it, but at yeah. the same time, we are, is an incarnational. That's right. It really is. Religion, yeah. Yeah. you know, I had a, believe. Yeah, I had a conversation today with somebody about, you know, technology is such a wonderful tool. And I think I've really seen how the church has done incredible things to pivot. That's our new favorite word to mm. do new things, but it's not a replacement. It's just a supplement. Right. You know, like it's it's a great opportunity for us to try new things, but nothing nothing replaces the in person experience. And we're worship. created to be together. Oh, right. We yeah, are absolutely. We are communal in essence. I mean, it strikes me as the same thing as sitting down and writing a check and sending it off to somebody, as mm. opposed to actually going out and mm -hmm. actually interfacing with someone and actually helping them. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's that type of. It feels like it's a very check writing. Yeah. <clears throat> few months yeah. as opposed to an actual interaction. I don't months. know that I remember how to write checks. So 
They taught us. I'm dating like, myself. I, yeah. Honestly, I couldn't tell you the last time I wrote one. Me either. Me I couldn't either. tell you the last one I wrote one. No, oh, we okay. had to write one for like for employment. You have to write a voided check or something. Yeah, maybe for yeah. like renting space. <clears throat> yeah. So I got to tell you, I'm uh, I'm in a weird space because I just watched The Social Dilemma last night. Do you watch it yet? I haven't. Oh my gosh. Have you watched The Social <laughs> Dilemma? Okay. But I will. Maybe tonight after the Do children you, you go to bed. I have not. I've, I've been told I need to watch okay, it. Okay. So just yeah. the premise of this show is just there. this documentary is that there's like major corporations and people who are looking to change the way we think, believe, behave. And really the way that it shows up primarily is through social media, through technology and the constant struggle for us to... Um, be checked in like they get more money the more engaged we are right. their whole point mm -hmm. is just to have us engaged with this and it's it sucked us down this virtual just tunnel and we're getting more and more divided they've measured the statistics behind us just being divided and divided and divided and so this conversation that i wanted to have with you two i think is so helpful for where we're at politically um but really just in terms of how we relate to one another mm. just we're in the middle of this series called Help Thanks Wow. Have you heard of this? Mm -hmm. Okay, so this book by Anne Lamott. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been discussing it. I think we're in our, what? Second, second or third? Second, second third. I think second, yeah. Just finished our second week, on to our third. So mm -hmm. by the time uh, our viewers and listeners will have heard this podcast, it'll be, um, we'll be closing out the series. Mm -hmm. So, and by the by the way, for those listening, we'll, this episode will drop, um, This we'll be, we're recording it just the Monday after, um, <laughs> everything happened <laughs> yeah about you all know what what i mean by that the, the saturday that everything happened and so um, we can we can say the election yeah. we the can election. say the election was called on <laughs> yeah, saturday i think like, we're, we're allowed to say that yeah <laughs> yeah and so we don't know what will happen between now and the time that we release this podcast but um i think we can all agree that we're just so polarized mm. just so divided and and, and so, so many, I, there's been so many times in the last few weeks and in months where I'll be, maybe, maybe y'all have had this experience where we'll be in a small group or something like that. And someone will ask the question, um, are there any prayer requests? Right. And everyone's just, just like, just like so silent, you know? And I think about, you know, size too deep for words, mm. you know, where people are at right now and. Yeah. And and where we're at with this series with help thanks wow is it's just the three basics. It's just it's just asking for help, help us, help them. Um, wow, so amazement, the practice of amazement, and I've got some questions for you on that. Cool. Um, in case you haven't looked at the questions that we sent, but um, and then and then just um, being thankful mm -hmm. and and just kind of all of that kind of wrapped up together. But the reason why I wanted to have you on for this is because when I think about my time in seminary, and by the way, I think we all quote you at least once a once a week, maybe on Thursdays. Can oh confirm. Oh yeah. Like yeah, there's yeah. there's plenty of like hellerisms that yes. we say, like the question that you give us of why is it important that you're telling me this? Oh, mm -hmm. like in scripture. That's right. We I quote that all mm -hmm. the time to my students. Yeah. Um and then yeah, just yeah. I mean, I think it's a, another one is uh, I often say like, what is said first matters, mm -hmm. you know, and that and that what do we read first in scripture when we're reading a particular passage? Why is that first? Why oh. is that the introduction? We have to stop here yeah. and like set the scene 
of what we're reading. Yeah. yeah. I say that all the time. And I'm always talking about familiarism and like yeah. the familiarism oh. that we have with scriptures and how dangerous that that's is right. and how exactly. careful we have to be with that. That's right. And that's Absolutely. really, so you, how long have you been teaching in general and then at Perkins? Um, actually Perkins was my first job. So I've been there for 21 years. Wow. 21 years. As I like to say, I showed up when I was six years old. <laughs> <laughs> and then you would have, you would have been doing your doctoral program. Yeah. Probably six years during, before during that. The, right. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Let's just say Somewhere that. Around. Let's just say <laughs> it was we're before not, that. Look, we're not trying to date you. Okay. I'm 56. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's so cool to know now. Oh. So you know I look older, don't I? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. No, uh, it's just something you guess. I don't know. Do you guess that? You sit there, you're like, I wonder how old this person is. No, I don't. no. Okay, just me. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> some people, might, some people maybe. <laughs> also, I'm really sorry for my loud laugh. I can't. <laughs> yeah. I know. I feel like I gotta like move away from the mic to like clear my throat and then come back and be like. Just if you've caught, if you have to cough. This is my NPR. Just, if you have to cough, then don't, put on don't. your mask. Don't do yeah, it these exactly. days. Exactly right. Don't do it in here. Don't do it these days. But you've been yeah. studying the Old Testament for yeah. a long time. Long time. Right. Um, yeah. One of the things that you've always said, and that I've always liked that you said, is just that it, it seems like every time, I don't know if you've had this experience, mm. but when every, every time you stepped behind, uh, you, you don't call it a pulpit, I guess, podium. but a, a podium. Yeah. yeah. I almost call it a pulpit, but elect, a, pulpit. Uh, a podium. Every time you step behind it, there's been times where maybe we're studying the book of Job or mm. we're studying a book that, um, you'll just say, I don't know what this means. Yeah. Like you'll say, I don't know what this means. Yeah. Maybe you guys have something to say or share mm -hmm. about what this means. Yeah. I just got to ask, where does that sense of curiosity come from? Has it always been there? Is it something that you've cultivated over time? Just the, the sense of excitement to study something that you have studied literally like your whole long, life, your yeah. whole life mm -hmm. and that you're, you're an expert on it. Um, where does that, where do you find that sense of curiosity? Where do you find that sense of excitement every time you, you approach something so familiar? Yeah, I, I've really been thinking about that since you've sent me the questions. And I, I think, right, I mean, we live in a post-Freud world, so it probably goes back to my childhood. And in fact, it goes back to my childhood in exactly the opposite way that mm -hmm. you would think. Um, and that is, I was brought up in a small town right outside of Houston. Um, and I always like to say that I, I grew up in a very small world, mm -hmm. very small world. Um, I remember us watching the news um, at night, but it didn't really have anything to do with us. It was something far away. Um, I, I, again, we, I was brought up about 30 miles outside of Houston I can remember the first time I went to Houston. I was probably 13 years old <clears throat> when I went to Houston and I had never seen skyscrapers before. Wow. Um, I, uh, again, is just a very small world, very immediate concerns in my life, right? In, in my family's life. <clears throat> and then I went um, because of my family's financial things. Even when I went to college, I went to Houston Baptist University. And even when I went to college, we didn't have enough money for me to have room and board. And so I was a commuter student my all, all my four years. And so I would basically go and have classes and then go back home to my small world, right? <laughs> um, and so even college didn't open me up 
um, until I went to graduate school. And when I left the small town and I went to this remarkable, amazing university, suddenly the world exploded. I mean, it was absolutely things that I had never thought that you could think like this or you could ask questions about this or I still remember very clearly going to my first symphony at Woolsey Hall in New Haven, Connecticut. And it's, I'd never heard music like this. I mean, like live, I'd heard recordings maybe, but it was, it was just shocking. And so for me at least, <clears throat> I think that my sense of wonder is actually tied to that, that, that feeling when I was 23, 24 years old of just what a remarkable world we live in. <laughs> and that's never gone away. In fact, the more that I learn about the world and the more I listen to classical music and the more I do this and the more I do that, it's that, that it, it's still it's still there. Um, so I, for me, at least, I think that that's where my sense of wonder comes from is just the way I was raised, but not in the way you would think. So. I always, I, I found it so interesting. I mean, you know, I hated the Bible when I came to seminary. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's wow. kind of the claim to Oh, yeah. To you mean the yelling you love and the it screaming now? and the crying. Yeah, I do. So, I mean, I, I went to a very conservative uh, private Christian university for undergrad on accident. I didn't know that it was conservative until I got there. <laughs> uh, surprise, surprise. I rolled up and they, I was like, I want to be a preacher. And they're like, you can do that? And I was oh, like, yeah, God. no problem. They're like, I don't think you can do that. And I and I was like, why? And they're like, well, the Bible says. And so I'd watched the Bible be used for all kinds of horrible, horrible things. So I rolled up to, you know, Old Testament and was like, this is going to suck. I don't want to do this. I'm not interested in this. And I found, you know, obviously very life-giving in the way that you taught it, but particularly Leviticus, which, which is a book that like Leviticus. people don't read Leviticus and think like, wow, this is so spectacular. And yet, <laughs> I know. like, I when read Leviticus, you, yeah. Exactly. Like when he plops open, today we're going to be studying in the book of Leviticus and you're like, everyone just kind of groans. I'm like, just, oh, here we go again. And we then- Can we go back to Genesis? Well, I mean, you <laughs> leave the lecture and you, I, I don't know if you, you know this obviously, but there were moments where I could feel the room still mm. and you didn't realize it in the moment. And then you'd be like, and that's Leviticus. And everything <laughs> would shift. Like everyone would come out of that, like almost you're reverence. Like, you're like, wait a minute it. now. This is amazing. Yeah. This frumpy old book of laws mm -hmm. where there's nothing seemingly like you just look at it. It's like you could see how it's been used in a handful of ways where it's just this terrible, like mm -hmm. terrible thing. Mm -hmm. How can how how is it that you have cultivated such a curiosity around mm. the like whenever you approach the task of just of looking into a text or how is it? Is it different every time? Has it changed or is it, are you still being inspired by it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, I can't remember if it was in your class or not, but I I, I think it was in maybe your class, but Joshua. That was the year after me. Yeah. So in my class, you were like, Joshua is, is, is the worst. Second least favorite book in the yeah. whole Bible. I mean, it, it <laughs> like promotes genocide. It like yeah. promotes killing of children. Yeah. It, it's a horrible, horrible book. And then the year after yeah. you had me, I'm one of my, I, I I guess I'm preparing for the lecture and I'm just reading along and I said I just I just wonder how what Joshua tells the people at Jericho lines up with the instructions that God gives Joshua at the beginning of the chapter. And suddenly it's like oh, it's like God tells him certain things and when he gets around to telling the people what to do, 
it's very different. <laughs> yeah. And people just assume that what Joshua says, God said, which I think is one of the main themes in the book of Joshua itself, that quite possibly when people stand up and say, this is what God said, maybe God didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> right? so, um, maybe there's room for interpretation. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and so for me at least, yeah, absolutely, it, it, it continues. I mean, you mentioned the book of Job. I mean, my, my thinking on Job has been not transformed. Again, a lot of this type of wonder stuff isn't like, oh, I see it totally differently. Um, but but it's it's remarkably different. It's a lot more helpful. Um, in the past two years or so, I thought I, I, and again, a lot of it is isn't about studying, and it's not about reading. Obviously, you have to read a lot. You have to know the book. But a lot of it is being stuck in traffic, and your mind just sort of wonders. And it's like, oh, I wonder if yada yada yada, and then it's like, you know, and, yeah. and suddenly it's like the book is it's a different book. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the same book. That's also so. my, my favorite part in Old Testament where there be a moment where you like kind of drop the mic and I'd go, oh. and like just, it would just click. And like those moments where you walk away, you're like, oh, I have a, I think I called my mom after the Leviticus lecture mm. and was like, mom, you have to know what this guy just said about Leviticus. Like it totally changed my life. And so I guess, you know, I'm curious, you know, you've taught for 20 years at Perkins. Yeah. Um, you've seen hundreds of, you know, both, people who just came out of college and Absolutely. second career folks who'd come through your room. Right. Is there a particular moment where, you know, there was, a, there was a student where you thought like, wow, that was, like you watched that transformation happen in them and that was remarkable. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I can think of one particularly. Um, she had blonde hair and she's about <laughs> two and a half feet from me right now. Hey, <laughs> I think that's me. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. you, you're you're one of my success stories. Aww. So, I mean, I'm just because you came in hating it so much I that did. the bar was really low. Yeah. So I just had to get you not to hate it. And so. And now I love it. I mean, yeah. like the Old Testament. And that's, that's something I think is important for Christianity is, you know, we don't often revere the Old Testament absolutely. in the way that we revere the New Testament. And yet you revere the Old Testament in a way that is, that, that almost makes the New Testament better. Mm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So. yeah. But also it, your passion with it. I mean, yeah. that you brought to, and it's not ever I know all, be all, end all, right? It was constantly yeah. changing and moving, and it depended on the experience yeah. that you had or the um, study that you had a particular week, you know, with a certain group of people. I mean, the same thing happened to me. We were in yeah. Deuteronomy with our young adults, okay. and one of our young adults said, I know what it's like to be in the wilderness. Mm. And he's a refugee from Tanzania, mm -hmm. and it, completely opened up Deuteronomy in a whole new way. Right, exactly. And so I think that that's one of the things that I think is such a gift about you that's is right. the way that you do know it. You could, you have such a familiar, familiarity with it. That's you right. are an expert in it, but you continue to be curious. That's you right. continue to ask yeah. and you continue to listen to those people that are around you. Yeah, I, I, I told, I've told people before that when I was, when I was in that college and when I just started that graduate program, um, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. <clears throat> I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I did know this. I wanted to be a part of something that I could spend 40, 50 years incredibly deeply involved in. Mm. And then at the end of my career, it would have been as though I were a child playing at the edge of an ocean. Mm. Right? Yeah. I mean, you just, you, you, you spend your entire life at something and at the end of it, you've just scratched the surface. You've just, I you've feel just, like, yeah. 
I'm, I'm noticing just like this theme of like, <laughs> in terms of curiosity, when you started talking, it was about how small your world is, mm -hmm. right? And and then just how small of a viewpoint of the Bible that you've that you've kind That's of had. Right. And then it just keeps getting bigger. Mm -hmm. It just keeps getting bigger. And I loved what you said is that familiarity. How'd you put it? You said familiarity is just like, it's, it's, it, it just makes us, oh, we figured that out. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and this could, I think, be said of scripture. Absolutely. But really, I feel I like so. we're in a time where it's so easy to just say, well, I read these articles on Facebook mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. uh, going back to the social dilemma it's like this is my own reality that's right this is my own world that's right this is the small world that i live in mm. and I, I i gotta wonder how do we just practice this idea of curiosity in a world where yeah. we're all bent on just seeing things our own way yeah for me at least the thing with a small world is that i can know everything in it mm -hmm. <laughs> right i mean it's small enough that i can i i have all the answers mm. right and part of the part of the wonder that happened in my life, at least, when I suddenly realized that the world was a very large place, um, and that largeness is both wonderful and scary, right? Because there's not so nice parts of the world too that I didn't know about either, right? Um, but just that opening up of it suddenly, it's like the the I I don't I don't know things, and so for me at least, I mean, at the base of it, what is the basis of wonder? How do we cultivate that? Mm. First of all, it's, and I've tried to do this in my life, it's making sure that your self identity is not bound up with what you know. Mm. Being an expert at something is absolutely inconsequential, absolutely inconsequential. I mean, knowing something really well is really good, mm -hmm. um, but being an expert at it, knowing it, um, whatever it is that I'm about, I don't know the Bible. Mm. I mean, I've studied for a so long time. So if you're time. listening and you think you know the Bible. <laughs> you don't. You don't. Surprise, surprise. Well, you may, right? But, but it depends on the Bible that you know, yeah. right? Ooh, that's uh, a good the Bible, one. The Bible yeah. that I know is incredibly complex, in a, I mean, and complex not in a complicated way or in a... Um, um, a confusing way it's incredibly complex like a swiss watch is incredibly complex mm -hmm. um, um relationships are incredibly complex um I, i've said this before and that is that again and this is completely broad brush and i know that i'm saying things i know that this is an exaggeration but i strongly suspect that many people at least that get a divorce the source of that breakup could often is that they think they know the other person mm -hmm. that there's nothing else to surprise them there's nothing else there, there's no growth right mm -hmm. in growth there has to be learning right <laughs> um, and once i think i know you um then I, I i don't have to interact with you anymore or the curiosity or wonder is gone that's right exactly yeah. you know i mean my i mean my wife and i've been married oh uh, in two weeks, 27 years. Oh, wow. Um And you've been studying the Bible that long. <laughs> <laughs> um, so marriage advice, let's let's <laughs> study the Bible. And every week, okay, maybe not every week, uh, but at least once a month. I mean, I'm just, I just see depths of her that I'd never seen before. Yeah. You know, and so. Um, That's so cute. I also think, I th also think you hit something that, that, 
a lot of people don't have space to do and that's wonder. And I think mm. that coming here and I moved into a different role a few years ago into kids ministry and our kids ministry, children are encouraged to wonder Absolutely. and you and you don't get that in Sunday school. You find out the answer. Here's that's the right. answer. Absolutely. And and our children are allowed to wonder that's and right. they'll ask questions that they don't get answers to. That's right. They just wrestle with them. I remember so clearly, this was two years ago, I just rolled off of the vestry of my home church, Transfiguration Episcopal Church. Um, and during the last vestry retreat, we had someone come in and do godly play. Yeah. And we all sat, those of her, again, there were several elderly people on the vestry, but those of us who could sat on the floor and the woman who was leading the godly play did um, the parable of the lost sheep. Mm. And I almost cried. Mm. It was, I began, do I know the parable of the lost sheep? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was just, and a lot of the like emotion was just, I wonder, I wonder what the sheep feels. Mm -hmm. You know, I wonder why the sheep, I wonder why the sheep left to begin, you know, mm -hmm. and just all the wondering. Um, wondering questions are so wonderful because you can't wonder if you know. Yeah. yeah. You said something um, about how when the world gets bigger, it, it gets, it's like it gets mm -hmm. more interesting and also gets more terrifying. Mm -hmm. um, and it reminds me of, we, we were talking, I think, in, in Old Testament about Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, okay. and about fearing God. And I, I preached a sermon on this a while back and how I never understood what it meant to fear God because yeah. God to me was a friend. Like mm -hmm. God was close to me as, as you are right here. Right. Jesus is next to me, all these things. Have I been with you so long and you do not know me? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like really and truly, it was one of those things I was like, I never feared God until right. we got to Isaiah. And it talked about how like Isaiah could only see God's quote unquote feet. That's right. And you compare it to the Grand Canyon, how when you stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon, you feel this awesome sense of awe and just overwhelmed beauty, but mm -hmm. also fearful. Mm -hmm. um, and I think maybe that's, you know, cultivating wonder is not just cultivating, wow, this is so cool, but cultivating the, th the, courage to stand up on the edge of the Grand Canyon yeah. and like look into something that you don't know what's going to look back, but yeah. it might be worth it, even yeah. if it is scary, yeah. you know? I mean, recognizing your own finitude, right? Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. you're not going to be here forever. And in fact, while you're here, you're not going to have, it's, it, your, 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 your influence is actually rather small mm. and that's okay. Mm. You know, that's perfectly all right. You know, um, so for me, at least so much of what we do, particularly in the church, is so bound up with control, mm. yeah. so much in control. Right. Uh, we have to be in control. We have to have the right answers. We have to. Um, yeah, we have to we have to know things. Um, people come to us with their problems and we have to know how to solve them. They ask us for advice and we, the advice has to be good. And again, so much of our self-image is bound up with knowing things and controlling things. <clears throat> How deadly! Yeah. Mm -hmm. What a deadly thing! Yeah. Um, I, one of my favorite one of my favorite New Testament passages, right, is in the Gospel of Luke. Um, and again, this story occurs in the Synoptics um, in different places. But my favorite is the Gospel of Luke, where a young lawyer comes to Jesus and he says, "Which is the greatest commandment?" Right. <laughs> And Jesus turns around and asks him two questions. I think in the NRSV it gets muddled into one question, but Jesus actually asks him two questions. Uh, the first question is, what does it say in the law? And the second question is, how do you read it? 
how do you read it, <laughs> right? Um, and for me, at least, that's the two questions, right? Because if you don't, for, and again, if we're simply talking about the Bible, right? If you don't know the Bible at all, um, somebody that doesn't have an experience with the Bible, even a negative experience or a positive, someone that has no experience whatsoever with the Bible and they come into my class, there's not going to be wonder. They're just, they're just mm -hmm. learning the way Roy Heller, at least, thinks things are, mm -hmm. right? Um, so you have to have some sort of a familiarity. You have to at least know something. But then once you know it, or at least you're very familiar with it, then you can start um, seeing new things growing, mm -hmm. developing. Um, so. so I wonder, you know, we've got a lot of people who, uh, who believe in the fact that like the Bible is absolute truth and aren't willing to question the way they interpret the Bible. And so how can we offer it kind of a space for folks to to wrestle with the scriptures they know so well and know that it's okay to walk away from it thinking something different or not knowing what it says anymore. Because I imagine if you walk away from a scripture that suddenly is changed for you and you've known your whole life, it might be really, really terrifying to feel like my faith is now on shaky ground. What do you, what do you, what could you offer to those folks? I mean, anybody at the table, obviously. I don't, I don't know. What did, what did I offer you? <laughs> right? I mean, I mean seriously, yeah, I mean, right? I mean, I guess for me, it was more just the opportunity to see that the scripture that was all bad really wasn't, mm. you know, and the space to, I think one of the best things that you said was, you know, these words on the page, they're just squiggles. You put the meaning behind them. That's right. And so like, I got, you know, I got the freedom to decide, all right, what does this mean to me? And like, that's kind of what mattered in that moment. And taking me. on the responsibility of that, mm -hmm. right? I think that a lot of people, um, have certain interpretations, but the reason why they have certain interpretations is that they don't want to take responsibility because it's not me. I didn't say this. Mm. It's not my interpretation. The Bible just says this, and so we have to X, Y, and Z, fill in the blank, whatever you want, right? But it's not, you know, it's not my, the, God said it, I didn't say it, right? Um, but I think that being able to see that, in fact, what we do when we read the Bible, Whenever we read the Bible, and in fact, whenever we have a conversation, mm -hmm. whenever we uh, read anything, when we hear the news at night, when we watch movies about our political yeah. state, whenever we're doing anything, actually, when we're looking out of our eyes, when we're doing anything, we're always interpreting mm -hmm. and taking responsibility for that, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, at least, that's, that's part, that is that if you want to read the Bible in a certain way that certain people should be killed or stoned or segregated or whatever if you if you want to interpret the bible that way all right yeah but at least admit that you're interpreting the bible that mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. don't don't give up so your responsibility responsibility for it and i think once people once once people um recognize that interpretation is is it's an ethical choice yeah. mm. right and it's an ethical choice, and there are other ways of interpreting whatever it is you're reading. Once you, for me at least, once you see those two things, then why why would you interpret the Bible in such a way that it excludes? Why would you why would you want to interpret the Bible in such a way that it hurts? Why would you want to interpret the Bible in such a way that it oppresses? Mm -hmm. If you can interpret the Bible in such a way that it frees, it gives life, it empowers, um, but you have to take responsibility. That's the first so, step. So in taking responsibility, and really, I think when you approach scripture, it seems so much like we, we've talked a little bit about this, just how curious you are. 
and, and, and just the practice of interpreting scripture or taking responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. How, how do you do that? And then how do you expand it for what you do in the world too? It's not, I don't feel like this is just a scripture thing Mm -hmm. because scripture is one facet of it. It's very powerful facet of it for so many people Mm -hmm. where it's, it's my belief. It's, it's, you know, it's there then and then and here you know i i remember that <laughs> i remember that deuteronomy that's you know right. uh, and this is here us and now that's right but how you approach scripture also i think might be how you can approach a wide variety of things in life yeah whether it's just the things that you consume the relationships you have how you how you approach scripture as as, as everything could be new can you talk a little bit about how like that practice of looking yeah. into scripture creates this curiosity that expands into the rest of your life? Yeah, it for me at least it's like a it's like a it's not like a I'm doing this, but it's not quite like a balance. But on the one hand, um, there's the world, there's life, there's reality, right? And taking that seriously, right? I'm not ignoring parts of it, seeing the way things are, but the and again, during these particular times, we often see the very bad things about <laughs> things, right? But also seeing the wonderful things about life um, and, and taking that seriously. And on the other hand, with scripture, taking that seriously and not, again, not casting aspersions, but you know very good and well that there are people that would die in a ditch over whether the Bible was inerrant right Mm -hmm. that the bible is literally historically accurate in all aspects and yet they never read it Mm. they're willing to die in the ditch but in fact they never encounter it mostly because they think they know it right Mm -hmm. Um, and once you know something then why learn it because you can't right but they're they're willing to die in the ditch about how important the bible is quote unquote but they never they never read it they never encounter it they never they actually never think about it except on Sunday mornings while the preacher's doing whatever the preacher's doing. <clears throat> for, for me, at least, that, that taking the Bible absolutely seriously, and again, other people, different people have different authorities in their life, and I understand that, and that's wonderful for me, for me and my house. <laughs> we will serve the Lord, right? Say, we studied that scripture at Young Adults yeah. recently, exactly. and it was yeah. one of those series of... Uh, basic bible uh-huh. and we decided to do scriptures that were like on walls that people took out of context coffee oh. mugs and things like oh, that we were yeah, so see, familiar that's with that's right yeah. exactly. and it wasn't to like make fun of them but mm-hmm. to really dig in and say that's what does it really mean yeah. absolutely yeah i mean that ending of joshua right, right. Mm-hmm. what an interesting passage mm-hmm. right you know as for me and my house we're going to serve the lord oh we'll serve the lord too you can't serve the lord mm-hmm. What an altar call that is, right? I mean, it's like, uh, right? Anyway, um, but, but on the one hand, like knowing the world and seeing the world and taking it seriously. And then on the other hand, in my own life with the authority of Scripture, and that is taking it absolutely seriously. You see, you see, Miss Macy, I actually do believe that it is absolute truth, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it is absolute truth. Um, the, the the problem is is that I think most people think of the Bible as a as a um, as a something that we need to live up to, right? Mm-hmm. As a model for the way in which we should live, right? 
um, because you have all these wonderful people in the Bible that that long time ago used to serve God, but people don't do that anymore. Mm. Whereas, no, the Bible is true. And what that means is that the Bible and the way the world actually is, what do you know? They're remarkably <laughs> they're actually the same. Um, and that is when I read the Bible, what I when I read the Bible, and then when I close the Bible and I look at the world, I see the same, mm -hmm. same set of things. Mm -hmm. What a wonderful text that all those scary things in the world, all those frightening things in the world, all those things that make me really, really nervous. How wonderful thing is that I have a series of texts that I can deal with those things in a very controlled environment, mm -hmm. in, in a particular series of verses. And I can take responsibility for how I interpret those things so that when I close the Bible and then I encounter the world again, mm -hmm. I'm able, I'm strengthened. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, not, I'm, not, um, I'm not overwhelmed. Right, because I've, I've actually seen them um, and dealt with them in the workbook before I actually deal with the final exam. Right? See, I like that, that the workbook versus a textbook. Mm -hmm. exactly. You know, it's it's not dispensing information, so That's to speak, right. but it's giving you a chance to, to deal with the information That's at right. hand. I talk about how a lot of people um, think of the Bible as um, a textbook, right? Um, and that is it gives them information that they need to know um, for a final exam after they die so they can get to heaven. Um, and then there's some people that think of it as an answer book and that is the world gives us certain problems. And what do you know? The Bible provides the answers for those. Um, I'm not quite sure how that works out. But anyway, um, how you know the Bible provides the answers. It seems to me that whenever I read the Bible, and again, it has to do with curiosity. It has to do with wonder. It has to do with awe. When I read the Bible, what I see is a bunch of questions. Mm. I wonder, Roy, I wonder how you think about genocide. I wonder how you think about people that stand up and say this says this is what God says when it doesn't quite line up with what I know God says. Um, I wonder what I think about the relationship between people. I wonder what I think about the relationship and so yet again it's 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 a it's it's a, it's a workbook. Yeah. When I read it it gives me something to think about. I've said this before and I'll say it again and that is that there is no excuse whatsoever for a Christian to ever be bored. <laughs> Absolutely. There's, there's so true. many You've things to that. think about. Yeah. 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 There's so many things to think about, to wonder, wonder about. Mm -hmm. um, as long as you don't think you know it. Because if you want, if you know it, then there's nothing to think about. So it's about cultivating and taking responsibility for where you're at. Mm -hmm. And and just recognizing how amazing this is. And then when you close this book, this is where I want to get to you. Yeah. Is you've lived this incredible life. Like you may you may not think you have, but you've lived in Korea. <laughs> you've you've done you've done more than most people I can say. But what one of the things that I admire uh the most about you is that it's not just here. It's not just, you know, on texts or in you you've tangibly lived these things out. You've you've helped people. You've been a part. So you lived in Korea. For the people who aren't watching this, we're talking about Sarah now. I mean, I think we forgot we were on a podcast forgot, for a hot yeah. minute. So, so Sarah, <laughs> it's a learning yeah, curve so here. Yes. Hey, hey, come on now. Yeah. Um, so Sarah, uh, you've lived in Korea, mm -hmm. right? We're, you've lived in. Uh, I mean, South Louisiana, which is its own kind of... Kind of all over Louisiana, <laughs> which is a whole different... Yeah, country. yeah, completely. One of the things that I like in that you... Uh, are, you just have this wealth of knowledge is it, there's... 
this experiential knowledge if you've you've talked about your world being small and then it just mm-hmm. kind of breaking open breaking open um one of the things I, I want you to just say a little bit about how like we've talked a lot about how things are one way and we have this very small world that we approach the bible and scripture and things like that and maybe maybe for for some it's being on facebook or um just what they consume to keep them you know comfortable and not taking responsibility how has your life been different since you've gotten out of that and then kind of broken open into really just actually helping people and being with people and uh, you know we're talking about help thanks wow but Mm. um how has that expanded as the more you've actually taken gone from something like a, like scripture reading and then actually breaking it out and being in the world? Um, it's a kind of a big question there. Mm-hmm. But. Well, especially a world that doesn't look like America. You know, you lived in Korea and mm-hmm. Haiti mm-hmm. and two very different cultures than the one we experience now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I started at a young age being very open to others and understanding um, that I didn't know it all. And I didn't understand Mm -hmm. it all. And it's interesting because when I was in junior high, my parents gave me a choice to go to two schools, one that was 99% white, that was a lab school, and one that was 85% black. Mm -hmm. And I can go back in my life and see the dramatic change that happened that formed me in such a different way. Because I was in a culture and an understanding that was completely different from everything I had known. And I think that that's where the curiosity really took. And um, so when I did graduate from college, my brother was, is in the, he is still in the army and he was over in Korea. So I went over to spend two weeks and spent two years. I didn't come home. Oh I did not know that's how that happened. Yeah, my mom was not happy. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just this, um, Curiosity and this, I think the other part that, and you hear me, my young adults hear me say this all the time and students that I've worked with, you just have to say yes. Mm-hmm. And if you're just open and saying yes to things, it's unbelievable what happens. And I just said yes to an opportunity to teach English in Korea mm-hmm. and to be a minority. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I was in a minority in a different way. I was a minority, but I I had power. I was blonde hair, blue eyed. So everyone wanted English from me. Mm. Um, So, but it was a, it was a, such a unique experience. Um, But again, learning culture in a different way and absorbing it all and taking, taking all that in and saying yes. And I think that as I move forward in life and it comes to serving people and loving people, I'm just saying yes. Mm. And if you look even in my ordination, I just said yes to God. I, right. I really do feel very that's ordinary. Right. Yeah, that's right. I, all my life I've said the only thing I'm good at is loving people. And it just wasn't until now that I realized it's a superpower, you know? Mm, I mean. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That'll, that'll nice. preach. Nice. <laughs> so you have this instinct to help. Yeah. And you respond kind of by by saying yes. Just all you gotta do is say yes. How do you, where does that instinct come from? And for those who may not have it or maybe just comfortable where they're at in life. Or the fear. I mean, there's a fear that comes in. You know, you say yes to going overseas. Like 
that's an uncomfortable situation for a lot of people. And yet you said yes. Mm -hmm. So how do you how do you cultivate that instinct to help or or at least how do you maybe break out of this mindset of 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 how did you put it earlier of it's it's a comfortability it's yeah. a comfortability in our own world how do you how do you, how would you encourage others to kind of just break out of that i think it's because it's for others so for example, I, I have an extreme fear of heights. I can't get over it. I've tried and tried and tried and I can't. And we were in Puerto Rico last year and there was two houses that we had to work on. One that was two story and we had to replace the roof and one that was on the ground. And I took the two story to lead because it wasn't about me. It was about the homeowner and needed to be done. And so I think that when I think about that fear while that fear is still there, I make a choice that it not control me because it's about people. Mm. My, I go to Haiti because it's about the people in Haiti that I'm building relationships with. I um, talked to a man on Thursday night because it wasn't about me. It was about that man and seeing if he needed help. Mm. Yeah. So I, I remember there's this story that I've heard you tell. And I think you could probably say you were pretty afraid, but it was the story where you were in Haiti and y'all got into an accident. Do you remember? Do, you remember? <laughs> do I remember? <laughs> yeah. So I had a mission team. It was a youth mission team and I had um, youth and some adults and we were driving in a van. We were riding. We had a driver and we were in a head on collision with a motorcycle mm. and um, the motorcyclist um Thankfully, they both lived. One hit the windshield, um, and it was grotesque, and the other one went over the van. And um, I remember as soon as it happened, I checked my team to make sure everybody was okay, and I said, we just have to pray. And it wasn't anything I thought of. It was just something came over me, and we prayed, and everyone closed their eyes, and I prayed, and I opened my eyes and hundreds of people had surrounded the van. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I wouldn't let anyone out of the van. And I didn't know why it wasn't decision that I like thought about. I'm not a thinker, I'm a feeler, but I wouldn't let anyone out of the van. And I found out later that when our driver, so our driver spoke very, very little English and I spoke a little bit of Creole. So we were just dangerous, just enough <laughs> um, to communicate. and. So I took his phone and I was calling the, the people back at VIM. The phone died, like every bad thing that could happen did. But I found out later that if I, we had gotten out of the van because we were a team of white Americans, we would have been killed. Wow. There would have been a mob and we would have been killed because we would have been blamed for the accident, even though it wasn't our fault. And so, yeah, there was extreme fear that happened, but there's also um, something that happens when you just trust mm -hmm. in the yeah. one who made you and sure. created you. And we just put that trust in. And I, I know that sometimes that sounds so super cliche, but I think I'm living proof that <laughs> I don't always make the best decisions. Yeah. And so I think that that was one where it, I was, I, and I can think back and I was as calm as calm can be throughout mm -hmm. the entire situation. Had a good freak out later, um, but in the whole <laughs> I'd situation, be if you didn't. <laughs> yeah, I was just, just very calm. And, and so fear, again, it wasn't about me. I was concerned about the man who'd hit the, hit the van and the one who had gone over. I was concerned about our driver then who was getting in and out of the vehicle. I was concerned about my team, but that fear never took for, over. For, for me, at least, it's real. The, the word that keeps popping up in my head is faith. Mm. 
I yeah. was just gonna say that. Yeah. I literally was like, you know, the thing that is running through this is faithfulness. Faith, exactly, yeah. you know. And right, the joke goes, right, a little boy in Sunday school was asked, what is faith? And his response was, believing in things you know aren't true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? But that's not what faith yeah. is, right? Yeah. For me at least, I mean, especially in this conversation, I mean, what faith is is saying yes, yeah. right? And saying yes is not necessary. it's not Pollyanna. It's not like, oh, God will take care of us, let's get out of the van, mm -hmm. right? But it's embracing the situation and the seriousness of the situation um, and, and just going with it, going what feels right, mm -hmm. right? Um, so yeah, faith for me at least is really important here. Yeah, so. and actually in that, I had a team member like fighting me. We've got to get out. And I said, none of us are doctors. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing we can do. Yeah. And so yeah. um, you just have to, and that, I think that's one of the biggest things too is, is even in what you're doing, I think if you can faithfully trust your gut mm -hmm. and trust that the Holy Spirit will lead you and find that peace, and those things and those decisions. So for some people, going to Haiti yeah. is not the right thing. And that's what I wanted to get us to is, you're a longtime professor of Old Testament. You have done some extraordinary things like living in Haiti for six months or living in Korea and those kinds of things. Most of the people that are probably gonna be listening to this, how do we just, how, how do we get people to step out into helping just instinctually? Just want, just one, maybe it's, maybe it's something small on just a daily thing. Maybe, it, how, how, what advice would you encourage people to live out the, the, the theme of this podcast is out, out on a limb and being out on a limb is, is taking responsibility. It's being in that uncomfortable space. It's doing things like, I wouldn't say all of you go sign up and just run over to Haiti right now, but how do you how do we encourage people to to step out a little bit more in faith to do something like help or mm -hmm. to to open themselves up and because it's dangerous open yourself up well, it's, a, it's a stepping out into the unknown yeah. it's it's the unknown of i'm trusting that whatever wherever i put my foot it's that um scene from indiana jones the last crusade mm -hmm. good scene where he steps out into the bridge that he can't see but yet has faith that his feet will hit something solid. Yeah. Um, and that's something we're talking about is saying yes to helping people in the unknown, saying mm -hmm. yes to being in the midst of the unknown in studying the Bible mm -hmm. and being okay with that. That's right. Yeah. What, what small way could you encourage people to do that? I mean, first thing that comes to mind is to say yes to something that's right in front of you. And, mm -hmm. you know, saying yes to I mean, we have a food ministry coming and serving at that food ministry one time or saying yes to giving towards a food ministry, mm -hmm. saying yes to um, smiling at that cashier at Walmart who's really had a bad day and acts as such. Just saying yes and just being kind um, and smiling and doing that. And I think that that is some of the ways that you can be so helpful in what you're doing. I think that also you have to look people in the eye and you have to listen to them and hear what they need. Because I think there's also where I'm going to go help and I know the best way to help. Mm. I have made every mistake in the book, particularly when it comes to mission, particularly when it comes to international mission, because I knew what was best. Mm. But when I started to listen and I started to look people in the eye and hear what they really needed and then do that, even if it didn't make sense to me, that completely changed things for me. And so if you do see somebody and they look like they need help or just say, is there some way I can help you? Or it's that, um, you know, not assuming that people need, but being okay with not being familiar That's right. with what 
not assuming what the right course of action is and being open. And that's, I mean, that's the same thing we're talking about the Bible is right. not assuming what the Bible says, but instead being open to listen to what the Bible is saying. Right. Um, curiosity question, this probably, right. but um, do you follow lectionary? At I Lane? Yes. Well, oh, not no, now. not here. No. Um, Renew contemplative service on Wednesday evening. Does. Do you do you know <laughs> what the sermon is? What passage the sermon is going to be before you show up? No. 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 Okay. Wait, yes, you do. Do we? We do. The pastor does, but most people who and attend here don't. don't. Oh. Okay. But if we like, were on lectionary, then everyone would know. Right. Yeah. I had a moment where I was like, uh, "Am I unprepared? No, <laughs> what is no. happening?" Because it would be, it would be, it would be a, again a sort of an exercise, right? Mm -hmm. Is to take a look at that passage a week before. Yeah. Um, gospel, whatever Old Testament, probably not Old Testament, <laughs> the gospel, right? Take a look at it a week before. Read it every day, and just see what pops up in your heart, mm. in your head, you know. Start every time you read by thinking, "I don't know everything." I, I, what, 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 what are you going to say to me now? You know, why are you telling me this story now? Right, and start every time just reading that and and seeing what pops up, and then, for me at least, then coming and listening to the sermon, and not being defensive. And not being aggressive, and I can because I can guarantee you the sermon's going to say something different than what you saw, mm. what you what you heard, mm -hmm. and being able to live with that, and mm. that is that what you saw and what the pastor is preaching, they're both good and they're both helpful, because when I start when I start practicing that with squiggles on a page, when I start practicing that, what I can start doing is people that differ with me politically. When people that differ with me I don't know, sociologically, economically, racially, sexual orientation, sexual identification, when people start differing from me, what I can do is that I can actually start listening to them yeah. with integrity and not trying to be aggressive or not trying to be defensive, but actually being curious. Um, mm. So, and for we me, at least, that's one of the ways that scripture can actually function as a workbook yeah. well and we can do the same if we you know we're, if we're in a series study like we are now you take mm -hmm. the scripture that week following mm -hmm. and you right. you know i always hear i didn't really get anything from that sermon or whatever <laughs> well good take the scripture and get That's something right, exactly. from that and exactly. do the same thing week That's after right. week yeah. you know i think that back to your question i think um if you truly would be open if anyone who's listening doesn't know what to do, mm -hmm. and if you would be open, opening to reading scripture and seeing how God leads you there, opening to serving others, and if you just find yourself in openness, I promise mm -hmm. the opportunities will come. Mm -hmm. You just have to say yes. It's just like Jesus said, right? What does it say in the Bible? Yeah. How do you read it? <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so last question. We're heading into a Thanksgiving season. Oh, it's already over. Right. I'm so sad. Last question. Well, we can't, we can't keep them all day. I don't know what else you guys have to do. <laughs> We're heading into this Thanksgiving season, and I would imagine there's going to be some divisions around the Thanksgiving table. Mm -hmm. I know there's probably, I don't not see Not at my house. Not at your house. <laughs> Y'all agree on absolutely everything that there is to agree on. Spoiler, they do not. Um <laughs> What, two things. First, I want to ask, what are you thankful for in 2020? Because I think that's a question a lot of us are str actually struggling with this year. Mm -hmm. And how can how can whoever's listening, what is one thing that you would encourage them to do to, to live into a practice of thankfulness? 
this year as we head into just a, a thing i'm just picturing thanksgiving tables where everyone's just quiet it's a know. really good question what is what is something you're thankful for this year and how can you encourage somebody to practice thankfulness throughout the rest of this year so i lead a group of moms just regular run-of-the-mill moms and we started conversations around um prejudice and race discussion and injustice and parenting and how do you do it all and so some of the moms are women of color and one of the moms said a couple weeks into our new small group that we started several months ago i'm so thankful for covid i would never know you women mm. and we passed each other every sunday we all attend lovers lane and while i'm not thankful for covid per se <laughs> right. i'm so thankful for that same sentiment that this has given us opportunity, opportunity to do things that we could have never done, to spend time with our families in ways that we never would have, to be, um, to slow things down, um, to read things differently now. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say when I think about 2020, I am thankful for this opportunity that we've had in that. Mm -hmm. um, and then as we move forward and how do you stay thankful? I think you actually have to just say those questions. What am I thankful for? Mm. And to stop be intentional. And, yeah. Right. And to stop and look around and think yeah. about that and don't yeah. do it just at Thanksgiving. Right. You know, we do it with my daughter every night says three things she's thankful That's for, right. for that day. And I would say that that practice with her helps me more probably That's than right. anything. That's right. I once heard that um, a really, really good prayer right is this sort of take a deep breath and for 30 seconds think of something you're particularly thankful for right now one thing one thing not 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 love or something i mean one particular <laughs> thing that you're thankful for right now and think about that just hold that tightly for 30 seconds and then think about something you're particularly concerned about right now not world peace or I mean something particular in your life that you're particularly concerned about right now and just hold that and hold that and then say amen right mm. it's that in, it's that intentionality yeah. right it's that it's that being able to again the uh, holding it right because um, I don't think that that's what we do very well um, and so yeah thankfulness um, I mean to be quite blunt how short life is how precious mm. it is, mm. um, how much fun it could be, right? How wonderful it could be. Um, yeah, we're not going to be here forever. I mean, that's certainly something that COVID has shown us, yeah. right? And so, it's 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 too 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 small, too short a time to do anything besides love, mm. care, concern, openness, generosity. Um, so, for me, yeah. I love that. I'm gonna pray that later. I'm gonna try that. <laughs> What's I've never heard you? that. It really does help. Yeah. I've never heard that. Yeah. What and are you again, thankful not, for? Not trying to solve it, right? Because we pray in order to get the answer. Right? Yeah. But no, you just <laughs> just being intentional about joys and concerns. Yeah. All right. You, yeah. Now you answer the question, Stephen. You got to answer one question. Why? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have, have I answered? I've answered. Maybe I answered how I was doing at the beginning of this thing. <laughs> I don't think you did, my dude. Maybe I didn't. You know. I'm incredibly thankful for how real life, 
how I how real I realize life is this year. Seems like a very meta thing to say. <laughs> I know. It's very but, you. But <laughs> things just so I was I was doing I was running. I I've taken up I've, I've never been a runner. I'm not a runner. I've still wouldn't claim that I'm a runner. Um but I've taken it up because I wanted to see, you know, most of my friends run. Most of them have cultivated this practice and so I just took it up uh, mostly because I used to cycle but now it just seems kind of dangerous to do that in Dallas so I've taken up this practice of running and it used to be that I would only run when the weather was good like I would only run when the weather was good uh, when it was sunny like kind of like today or is it rain today no I don't no. think so um, but I would only run when the weather was good but what I'm realizing as I've cultivated this practice of running is if you only ever run whenever it's sunny and 75, you miss out on what your body does whenever it's 35 and dreary and mm -hmm. um, when you have to go a little slower, when you can't try and beat your record time, when you have to go a little slower, the air tastes crisp, more crisp, it tastes more real. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, this year has taught me this lesson that there's so much beauty and so much goodness and so much realness and 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 life to be found even in the even in just like the darkest of times even when there's just mass chaos there's you know an election that's particularly divisive um, the tendency i think for most of us is to not put on our running shoes and to participate mm. it's to stay home and try and mask it and who knows i mean some i mean addiction is real for mm -hmm. people and it's and it exists for a reason these underlying reasons could be that we're you know we're trying to avoid uh running in running in the rain or running in the in the the darkest of times and so this year has taught me that it's taught me to to live into it all to 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 really soak in everything um, so I'm thankful for that, even if it means that I disagree with my loved ones, even if it, mm. my mom and brother, if you're listening, um, <laughs> just to not gloss over those things because those things have a lot of beauty. They may not be fun. They may not be exhilarating. They may not be a thrill. No one's thrilled about, you know, things that are going on in the world, but they are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I think they are beautiful and, and and finding that beauty that's the trick because yeah. you can't because if you only live your life in the sunny days you're going to miss a lot of other good things that are going on mm -hmm. so i'd say that's I've, I've really maybe i kind of knew that lesson but i've really yeah this year has just really drove that lesson home nicely put what about mm -hmm. you it's a good question um i think the thing that's been important for me this year um, is, I don't know if it's the joy or the goodness or w whatever it is, but um, I talk a lot in my theology about um, restoration and redemption and being made new. That's a big part of what I believe that we really do, like we really are a new creation every day, like it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Um, and I, I said that phrase a lot. I went up for my interview for commissioning this year and I used that phrase a lot, but I don't know if I actually re really grasped it until this year when 
we had to to make things new um in particularly in my ministry down in west dallas like all of a sudden i had this opportunity to do things in a completely new way that i don't know if i would have necessarily gotten had covid not kind of shut everything down and forced me to to reevaluate and and pivot which is that you know fun word we use and really transform and what's coming out of this hibernation is something that i never saw coming but is way cooler than anything that i could have planned before it and so um i think it's accepting that that god really does lead in new directions mm -hmm. and taking that step forward is so important out of trust and knowing that new things are good things you know we can't put what is it you can't put new wine into old wine skins mm -hmm. you have to get a new wine skin mm -hmm. um and maybe that's a little scary you know don't necessarily love standing at the edge of the grand cat canyon but what a spectacular sight it is when yeah. you get there you yeah. know yeah so. beautiful mm -hmm. well thank you so much for both of you being here absolutely uh, you're this our is first so much fun. episode should we do it again yeah. tomorrow you want to <laughs> i mean i'm free um, <laughs> dr hiller if for those who uh, maybe appreciated something that you had to say, um, you typically teach at the Perkins School for Laity, right? Uh, often. Often, mm -hmm. you, or sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, do you know if they're doing that this year? If Perkins I is? don't know that. I believe okay. they might be doing something virtual, but I'm not okay. entirely yeah, sure. Yeah, they're probably doing it in virtual. Just wanted to give a shout out for that. Mm -hmm. um, and just uh, for those who may be listening, want to hear more uh, of your perspective. Cool. You also have a lot, of, a lot of books on Amazon, right? Something about Read the like, Deuteronomistic. What is it? <laughs> uh, I can't. I couldn't tell you. Elijah and Elijah and Elisha. Elisha, according to the Deuteronomistic. It's something I, about bears. Evaluation of prophecy. Yeah. 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 There it is. That title rolls off. I'll the order tongue. it today. <laughs> yeah. That title. But there's really also rolls one about. I mean, you got the one about the Book of Judges, which yeah. is you know. Judges. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good one. It's a small and easy. And it's cheap. Can, Sixteen bucks. Can confirm. Nice. The Deuteronomistic one's not, is it? Um. Oh, it's not too bad. Thirty-five, too bad. forty. Okay. But you get like two cents per book, so yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, it's, not, <laughs> it's not contributing to my yeah, retirement fund. So, again, thank yeah. you guys so much for Absolutely, being here. Yeah. Thank you for taking time Absolutely, out of your day to do it. Of course, so yeah. my pleasure. This is awesome. That's a wrap. Yay! Woo! Cool. Thank you, DJ. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on wherever you listen to your podcast. That really helps us get the word out about Out on a Limb and helps other people find our podcast. From all of us here at Lover's Lane, thanks for going out on a limb with us. <laughs>